Um, I, I remember standing in about a spot like this, this tallest riser right here, and I didn't get a, I didn't, I didn't get a good costume. Um, my mom slapped some donkey ears on my head. I didn't even get to be the shepherd or something. They just, they just looked at me, and they, they typecasted me. They said, you're a donkey. Um, rest of my life, all I did was just follow suit with that. Um, it, was, it, was, it was pretty tough. Uh, but it is just, it, it is, it's, we just do want to wish you a Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for being here. Um, a couple things. One, on your way out today, um, one of our students, Ava, um, did such a great job with this last year um, and is so kind to do this this year. There are a couple of cards uh, that we have out um, that we would love for you to pick up, um, one or two cards as a family, if you don't mind. Um, specifically, these cards really are aimed at um, using one of these. They're blank on the inside. Uh, there's just a, a kind of a typed out Christmas wish on the, on the backside, but um, we would love to encourage you to send these to someone, especially someone that comes to mind that needs some encouragement this Christmas. Um, they could just use um, just a note, just drop to them to say, you know, hey, what, there, there's somebody that is specifically and intentionally thanking of you. Um, let them know how you're praying for them. Just let them know how they came to mind. Um, and I'm sure that it will be just a, a great addition to their Christmas. So if you, would, if you wouldn't mind, um, pick up one or two of those on your way out. And uh, those are there just to share, uh, share some love and encouragement. Uh, this Christmas, we are in a series called Christmas by Design. Uh, the Christmas story, and if, if we just call it a story, um, we almost kind of ease into this mode where we think um, it is just a story, but it's not. It's, it's real events, um, but they are some of the most unbelievable events that you could ever imagine. I mean, last week we talked about um, two birth announcements that, that just don't make sense. Um, there was one couple that was just described as well along in years. Um, that's, that's way past we, we think we can have a child, we expect we could have a child or anything like that. And, and they, they had a little baby. His name was John. As If you read the Gospels, we, we know him as John the Baptist. Um, then there was Mary, this young girl who had never had a sexual relationship with a man. And, and as we know, that's, that's, that's a really good process if you want to do make a baby. Uh, it's kind of, kind of a usual expected process. It never experienced anything like that. But, but through the power of God, and, and we see it described in Luke 1, and we can understand it in the same kind of language that's in Genesis 1, as this is a creative act of God, as he was present and he was, he was there, the Holy Spirit was at work, and we see Jesus being conceived by the power of God and, and Jesus himself being both God. And man, that's hard to wrap our brains around. Um, but, but Christmas design is amazing. It's absolutely phenomenal. And as, we are, um, and as we're in Luke 1 and 2 over a few weeks, I really pray and I hope sincerely that this will just really bless your heart. Um, so if we could, let's just go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless this time as we're in his word today. God, thank you so much for your love and your grace. Um, Lord, we, we need in our souls, Lord, in this season, um, not more just Christmas wishes, Lord, but we need a glimpse of, of the mighty power of you. Um, God, we, re, we need to see Jesus in a light that we've never seen him. God, we need to understand that the design of Christmas isn't just a one-time event, Lord. It's, it's, it's bunches of ways that you work consistently, and God, if we can just get a glimpse of a better understanding of you, God, we can even just begin to imagine how more effectively we can live our lives for Jesus and how our walk with Jesus can deepen and we can grow in our faith. Lord, so help us today as we hear this and we receive this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 today. If you want to follow along, if you have a Bible or if you scroll to a Bible or move a screen over, the verses will also be up on the screens as I read these. Um, 
The, the first set of verses we're going to read in Luke 2, we're just going to be in the first seven verses. And, and one of the first things you're going to see, I, I really believe, is some, of the, um, is some of the ways that we can really have our hearts open to be able to trust God. Because there's, a, there's an image of God in these first few verses that sometimes I, I, don't, I don't know that we all, fully, we, we all fully really lean into, and sometimes we kind of fall short of this. Um, so let, let's read just these first few verses It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, so everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was the house and the lineage of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him, and was pregnant. Um, I don't know if you played. I don't know if you've played many sports um, in your lifetime. I'm, I, I, I love athletics. I love sports. Enjoy them. I've enjoyed playing them. I've enjoyed coaching my kids. Um, but but there's this thing in sports that that's always needed. And, and and even as we watched our young kids up here, many of these young kids are also out in communities playing sports. And 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 being the coach is is a really big deal, right? You want somebody who's going to invest in your kids, and they're going to they're going to not use maybe certain language. They're not going to yell when they shouldn't yell, but they're going to kind of challenge them. They're going to they're going to coach them into a, a mode that's a little bit more competitive than they've been in before, but in a but in a healthy way, right? Um, some of us look for coaches that give everybody trophies. <laughs> I don't. Um, I, I like coaches who go, no, I'm sorry, you don't get this. You didn't win. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I love my kids. I promise. But y'all don't you don't think too bad of me this morning. Um, you just save that for this upcoming week. Um, but. But we look for coaches to, to inspire. We look for coaches to do a lot of things. Well, sometimes I think that um, we, we misinterpret really God, and we think of him more like someone like a coach. Um, I used to work with a couple of guys um, when, before I went into ministry, and, and these two guys could not have had a, a more far-apart view of basketball. I, I, basketball is one of my favorite sports. Um, and, and they would argue about this, and one guy – I, I think his dream was to win a basketball game. In fact, he said it was. It was his dream to win a basketball game one to nothing. And, and for some reason, he liked that idea. And I thought, you, you, you are the most boring human being on the planet, right? Like, um, I, I would rather win a basketball game. If I'm going to win by one point, I'd rather it be 150 to 149, right? I like, I, I like offense. And, and the other guy, he would argue, he said, listen, there's, nothing, there, there's no defense better than a good offense. Because he, he, he liked the idea of scoring points, right? And, and we think of, I think, we, we mistakenly think of God kind of as a coach, like, like he's active in his players' lives, but he's really not in control of everybody else. Does that make sense? Like, if, if I'm coaching one of my kids in sports, I'm trying to inspire them, I'm trying to get them to cooperate, I'm trying to, I'm trying to speak into them, and, and I'm controlling the lineup, and I'm doing a lot of things, and, and we're trying to beat the other team, but ultimately, I'm, I'm, not in, I'm not in very much control of what that other side does. Well, if, we, if we're not careful, we'll kind of think of God the same way and say, okay, well, if I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, then God is active in my life. He's trying to coach me up. He's trying to, try, he's trying to get me to cooperate. We use the word obedience um, and, and to be faithful to his commands. He's doing all these things, but, but, but then there's this whole other spiritual battle side and, and there's these things that happen to us in life, and, and he's trying to do something for me, but he's, he, he clearly must not be in very much control of all that's going on out there. Well, consider the design that explains God in just the Christmas story. 
In, the, in those five verses that we read, if we, if we start at the end and then we back up, number one, we, we see Mary. We're reminded of her again. And we see the amazing work that God did in her life just to bring a baby into this world. Now, I don't have time to go into this um, in, in depth this morning. Um, but if, but if, if you really kind of, your heart kind of sparks with some of the stuff we talk about over these weeks, um, I, I would, I would um, if you'd like this explanation, I would like to offer this. Um, there's a lineage that's listed in Luke 3. There's also a lineage that's listed in Matthew. And, and, and as you read them, there are differences in them. And that's kind of a point of confusion for some as, as they study the Bible. Um, there's some great clarity in that because um, Luke, Luke shows a lineage that goes along with this story and, and there's, there's a beautiful picture in that. So I would love to have a conversation. If that's the kind of thing that kind of piques your interest, I'd love to have a conversation with you about that. But as we see Mary, we see a, a woman who still her. She was in the line of David because that's, that's, the, that's the human part of Jesus' lineage. And we see this, this young mom and, and this, this special thing about her heart for the Lord is there, but it's also this, this other side of what he was looking for was, was a woman who had not had a physical relationship with a man yet. Now, it seems to me, if she's way over in Nazareth, what, were, were there not women that fit that just already in Bethlehem? I mean, I, th- I think there surely would be. He could have easily just picked a girl who was engaged to a man there in Bethlehem. I mean, wh- why, why move someone from, from that distance, just to move them. Well, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2 in the Old Testament, it says this, that Bethlehem, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. So, so in the Old Testament, God had already spoken and said, hey, listen, out of Bethlehem is going to come this chosen one, the Messiah that they were seeing in Jesus. So, it, so he, had to, he had to be born in Bethlehem. That's where had, that had to be his starting point. But God didn't, God didn't start there. And, and I think sometimes even in this design, God allows our minds to be open to go, I, I, I can find you wherever you are and easily move you to where you need to be. I mean, if, if you think your life is, is, is too far from the Lord, if you think you've got some stuff going on that just keeps you from being the kind of Christian that the Lord would call you to be, through the design of Christmas, I think the Lord would politely and, and lovingly say, I, I simply disagree. Because God can take us from wherever we are and, and place us exactly where we need to be as part of his plan. We talked about, it, we talked about that last week. In, in the design of Christmas, we're, we're shown that we are part of his plan as we're part of his family. If we go back up, we could say the same thing about, about Joseph. Um, but but one, of the, one of the great things I, I think that we see in this, this view of God, look at, look at the control that God has and how he moves them. Now, God doesn't, um, God doesn't want sin in our life. And I think this is something that, that begins to maybe kind of confuse us about God. Uh, when we see him in his ultimate design and his sovereignty doing things on this planet, has it really ever puzzled you why it was Judas that betrayed Jesus? Like, why one of the twelve? Like, what, like, you spent the same amount of time that 11 other people spent around Jesus. And, and why, would, why would Jesus even call him to follow and allow him to be that close to him? Like, what? like that just seems like there's a, there's a flaw in the plan if that, in fact, is a plan. But if you remember, Jesus even was the one that sent Judas away. As, as, God, as, God, as God knew the heart, the sin in the heart of Judas, he used that decision 
for the glory of Jesus, for the, for the growth of the kingdom. Because Jesus was the one that told Judas, hey, listen, go ahead and go. He gave him permission to go do what he was getting ready to do because God could even use that. God's active in, in this story. And, and listen, we're not talking politics this morning. Don't do it. We're not doing that here, okay? But let's just be clear. God is very active in this story on two different levels of government. Caesar Augustus, that the whole empire should be registered. You know that probably is somewhere in the, in the realm of economic prosperity and organization and control, pride over just the magnitude of your kingdom. And, and as that grew in someone's heart, God could just simply use that and say, you know what would be a great idea? Let's, let's just count everybody. And let's do it in an organized way. And as he began to put this in, in, and use this out of Caesar's heart, um, and, and then even as Quirinius was governor of Syria, um, this is just one detail that we can track back to know that, that, that this isn't just a picture of um, how expansive God's power is, but we can track the details and know that these people really live so we can trust in the account of this story that it really happened. I think one thing that we've got to really see, we really need to see at this Christmas time, Christmas by design, um, that the design of Christmas calls us to trust. It's, it's one thing to go, all right, I trust that God loves me. It's another thing to look out at the world we live in and say, I trust that God loves me and that he's ultimately working out his plan and that he can truly use anything and anyone to achieve that. He can move great things in order to achieve his purpose. Now, um, as he does that, do you believe that it was comfortable for Mary to be almost nine months pregnant on a donkey ride across rocky roads to go from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem? Now, for us husbands, we're like, you know, it just sounds like a trip. Surely, yeah, I mean, it just wasn't that big of a deal, right, guys? But ladies, can we have just a little bit of help? Those of you that have had kids, like, does anybody want to get in that line? The, the let's, let's ride a donkey for miles and miles and miles. No, nobody wants to do that, okay? So what does that tell us? God's design is, is unfathomable. We, we can't even wrap our minds around all that he's orchestrating. But to achieve that plan, it, it may mean that our submission and our obedience to him while we experience his glory, while the great experiences with the Lord are, are just around the corner sometimes, and sometimes we're walking in them at that moment, and, we're, and even Mary here was seeing things that just were blowing her minds, it, it didn't come with 100% comfort. And that's okay. It doesn't need that. Our lives can sometimes go through things, and on the other side, we, we arrive at a place where we do realize, Lord, I didn't, in fact, in fact discomfort, Pain, hurt, sometimes disappointment, allow me, God, to now understand you on a level that I never would have gotten to if not for that. That's tough. And some of us have that testimony where we can give agreement with that. And we see that echoed even in here at Christmas. Verse 6, it says, while they were there, the time for her to give birth... um, Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. 
Now, this sounds like, and as our kids portray it, doesn't this sound just like the most beautiful, this most beautiful birth? Um, first of all, um, I had the privilege of, of being at all three of my son's births. And, and all three of those were not in Bethlehem. Uh, they weren't in a manger. They, they weren't near a manger. They weren't in a stable. Um, they were at Women's Hospital in Greensboro. And I barely made it. It was touch and go at many points, okay? I'm not proud of it. I'm not, I've, never, I've never said that I'm a hero. I've never put myself on the line like that, never claimed that. I'm just saying there was stuff that happened that I've, I've begged my wife to agree that we would only talk about between the two of us, okay? I can't imagine what, what this was like, but um, you ever seen animals eat? They don't eat with, with, with forks and spoons and knives and napkins. They, they don't at all. Um, they just go head first in, into the thing that they eat out of. So, so to be in this environment, um, and, and just to be clear, and I don't know if you know this, but just so um, when, when many times you hear this, there was no room for them at the inn. Uh, there was no Bethlehem Hotel. Uh, Bethlehem's a pretty small town. So, so the chance that they would have had a building large enough to have a bunch of rooms for rent, very unlikely. Not very likely at all. So most likely what this would have looked like is there would have been families, maybe even someone in Joseph's family, that would have kept extra rooms that they would have allowed someone to use and rent. But, but, but even when they went there, so, so sometimes we look at this story and we think, you know, well, they're just being told no by some you know, poor innkeeper that had the unfortunate, um, the unfortunate luck to be recorded for history as the guy that said, no, there's no room for you. It, he may have even have been turned away by friends and family. Because every bed was full. So what was left? This manger, this inn, um, this, this stable, this manger, this place that was dirty um, and, and was kind of gross because it was literally where an animal would eat. And, and the picture that we see here is, is not, it's, it's not King Jesus in this picture really, right? I mean, it, it doesn't look like King Jesus. It doesn't look like the Revelation Jesus for sure. This looks like I don't, even, I, don't even, I don't even know that I'd say the word humble. This almost looks more like humility. This is, this is, this is really on the edge of poverty. And it's, and it's reinforced. If you go a little bit later in Luke chapter 2, when they take Jesus to get circumcised, um, and, and, and when they do that, they're supposed to present an offering. And, and it specifically talks about that they presented the offering, their offering as two turtle doves. That was, that, was the, that was the offering that God made acceptable for people who didn't have who were short on money, who didn't have the finances to bring a, a larger, more expensive, more valuable animal to sacrifice before the Lord. So, so the picture we see here is of, of, is of a young couple and, and not just humble beginnings, but, but virtually in poverty. Now, this, this kind of seems strange to me because we're, we're talking about Savior of the world. We're talking about God shows up in human form to save his people. How would you have done this? I mean, think about that for a second. If, if, if I wrote this story, how, how would we have got this started? I, it would have been trumpets blowing, like pave the way, biggest palace, best throne. In fact, move that one. Let's make a new one and, and, and set up your reign immediately. But God, God knew that the earth didn't need another king. The earth needed a savior. And, and we're called to live like Jesus. So, so if God puts Jesus at the throne first, at glory first, then, then that just, that for us, that would just feed our pride. So God, 
in his wisdom, in his design, starts Jesus in all humility and all poverty, then glorifies him in the death on the cross. Not how we would design it, maybe, but exactly the way that we needed it. Now, um, there's some unique challenges when, when, when we think of this, this idea of poverty. Um, first, this is, I thought this was pretty cool. Um, you know, Luke, by profession, is a doctor. We, we kind of, you know, we call him Dr. Luke. Um, very likely, the reason Luke's a doctor is because his family and him were in um, their contemporary, their version of slavery. Um, now, that's very different than the slavery that we know, colonial slavery. Um, the, the easiest way to get educated beyond where you were born in life, to, to have a career in somewhere, in something that was a little bit more advanced than you, was, was to be more like an indentured servant. The person that was, was over you, the master of that person, would, would educate them, would, would treat them really well, because that would give them more chance to go and repay what they owed. And, and those masters most oftentimes had personal physicians, family physicians. So Luke, this, this, this gospel writer, was most likely someone who started his career. Now, when we think of doctors, what do we assume? Nice cars, nice houses, right? That's kind of what just our assumption is of doctors and lawyers in certain professions. Well, well Dr. Luke, physician Luke, as, he, as he's writing about this and he's, he's writing about the details of Jesus' birth, he very well understood Humble beginnings. So I want to read you a few things. I, I read this list this week and I put it in my notes because sometimes I think we see poverty in, in really all the wrong ways, okay? And, and I want to read you a few of these because I, I, grew, up, I grew up not by choice with my, with my mom going, okay, let's live wherever it is we want to live and drive whatever we want to drive. We, I, I grew up in a lifestyle that was affected by decisions of others, and, and at times decisions definitely had to be made on what we didn't have versus what we do have, and now what do we want to do with it? And, and I, want, I want us to think about this together. Number one, poverty is not a sin. And it's not even a reflection and an assumption that sin exists. Poverty is not God's disapproval. Poverty does not prevent a person from worshiping God. God made sure of that in his own law. Poverty does not necessarily doom a person to poverty forever. Poverty does not excuse unrighteousness. Poverty is not shameful in and of itself. Poverty is, not, um, poverty is a cross that God entrusts some people for a time. I mean, seasons of your life and in my life, I want you to just kind of think through this for a second. Some of the tougher times, some of the leaner times in my life were times that God trusted us to be faithful even in that moment because in that moment, decisions would be affected by those needs. And, and decisions then would be tough, and it would take us to a place where we had to seek the Lord if we wanted to honor Him and go, this is what I will do. We realize that wealth brings certain challenges, right? Um, if you've ever had wealth and children, that can present certain challenges. If they're used to getting all that they want, then what do we say sometimes about our kids? Man, they need to be aware of people that don't have because they are so blessed. So we realize that sometimes wealth has its own challenges. In fact, the gospel says that, says that wealth, um, self-reliance, self-dependence can be so tempting that we can, we can almost get to a place in life to where we really don't seek the Lord for what we desperately actually need from him because we get used to taking care of our own needs. In this story, we see Jesus beginning in a place of poverty 
And what's the opportunity? The opportunity is for Mary and Joseph to lean on the Lord. The, the, the opportunity is for Mary and Joseph to, to just be thankful for what they have and to be aware that what they do have is, is really what the Lord is up to. Because as they were in, in, in that place and, and God was showing them his presence in their poverty, they were aware of what they needed. So, so their eyes were wide open, their ears were wide open, and that's how they received the message that they, in fact, even needed to leave Bethlehem and go to Egypt for a little while. It was all God's plan working. Now, we do realize that God could have put um, a rich king on the throne, but he didn't. And, and, I, and I told you what, what I really believe the gospel theory is and the, and the philosophy behind that, that, that we would not seek in our lives to be on the throne of our lives, but we would seek humility. We, we would humbly accept whatever place that we're in. And, 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 I, and I believe that um, this shows one other unique thing that I want to give you in a moment. But first, uh, just, to, just to make sure that we're accurate in this, I want to track through a few passages with me, um, if you will, with me. Now, I'm going to go through these pretty quick, um, but I want to make sure that we're, we're accurate on what God really is up to in these kind of works in our lives. Um, in, in Luke chapter 9, a little bit later uh, in Luke 9, this is Jesus responding to someone that, that wants to connect themselves to him. Verse 57 in chapter 9 says, As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus told him, Well, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. See, even in this humble lifestyle that Jesus led, he, he said, Listen, I, I know you're saying follow me. I know you're saying you want to follow me. But, but understand, there will be some change that will come into your life. And in and just the fact that Jesus, Jesus didn't have a regular house that he went to, he said, listen, I want to use this as an example to show you, you're going to have to let go of some things you depend on to follow. Now, for them, that was, that was the tangible example, but what is it for us? Well, for us, it may be relationships. Certain relationships that we look to for comfort and peace that keep us and tempt us to not look to the Lord for comfort and peace, I'll use this as an example. I am married, self-proclaimed, and I tell you all the time, to the greatest human that I've ever met in Wendy. And it is very easy for me to look to her for just sincere love and, and patience and, and, and just hope and, and so many things. It's so easy for me to look into my, my, the wife that I have and just say, I, because she's so good at doing all those things and giving all those things, but, but if I say, okay, I, just, I get so comforted by what you give me, if I don't look to the Lord for those things, then I am becoming a worse husband, a worse dad, a worse everything, because I'm, I'm living less faithfully to Jesus. That can happen with our jobs, with a lot of things, that we look to those for provision and, and, and say, well, this is how I get these things, and, and stop giving credit to the Lord. Um, in, in Philippians 2, it says, Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existed um, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity, and when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. It says in 1 Peter 5, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. Um, being humble in this lifestyle, as we've talked about this and, and, and what humility really is, 
being humble, having an attitude of humility, it doesn't mean that we'll never, we'll never um, experience joy, we'll, ne- we'll never experience prosperity or even attention in certain relationships. It just means that God wants to give us those at the right time. And while we're struggling, he gives us, and, and, and I'm not going to rehearse it because we, we've already gone through this passage recently in our grace series, he gives us this process to be able to live in peace while we're not there yet and deal with the cares that we have. Matthew chapter 20. It must not, it says, Jesus teaches this. He says, it must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, it's it's through this process, and, and, and really this is the process. Humility comes before glory. That's That's the kingdom order. It happened in the life of Jesus. Um, I, th- this th- yesterday we did a, we did a serve, we had a service here um, for Robin Wells who's who's recently passed and and just in her life man her family's here this morning man just love you guys but man I can but I can honestly say man her life was one of an example of she was she was involved in everybody's story she was serving and she was loving and she was doing all those things and and then we we gathered yesterday. And, and this place was full of people that loved her. And there were people that you could tell, and I don't, I don't mean to find humor in this, but they, they were sitting beside someone. And, and you can tell in someone's face, some people's faces, it's been two years since you've sat beside someone, right? And we're in this room, and, and, and there's this heart of worship, and, and there's attention being given to her and given to Jesus. And, and, and it's in the realm of glory, but it came after just a life well lived of just being humble and loving and giving and doing and, and, and being Jesus to her family. And, and that's 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 practically what's what's supposed to be alive in all of us. And 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 here's here's this really key verse and where I think we see we start to see what kind of things Jesus um, did. And, and, and there's this last detail that I want to give you. And and, and, and I really want to I want you to listen to this this idea because um, what we see in his birth in this manger, laying in a manger in this stable, does something so unique. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that, and catch this, by his poverty you might become rich. In Luke chapter 2, we see Jesus' birth in a stable where animals normally eat and where they feed. You know, what, you know what follows that? That's where I stopped reading. But, but you know the, the, just the beginning of the next phase of that story? In the, same reason, in, in the same region, shepherds. So here's, here's the thing. And, and, and I want to I make this point and I want to explain it. Through Jesus, humil- in humility, we have an invitation to know him more. Shepherds, um, and we'll talk about a little bit more about them next week. Um, shepherds were, uh, they were nasty. Um, there's really not another word. Um, they were filthy. They hung around with sheep and goats. You don't hang around with sheep and goats because you want to smell fresh. You hang, you, you, you hang around with sheep and goats because it's your job. And, and it's, it's a humble job because it is hard work and, and there are, it, it's, not, it's not super socially acceptable. It's not popular. Um, you're, you're not going to have a restaurant in, in Bethlehem 
and a bunch of shepherds walk up and they're going to say, hey, come eat with us. No, it's going to be, we'll bring food out to you. You need to stay outside. And, and by rights, what did we say that Jesus deserved? The palace and the throne. But what did Jesus choose? The stable and the manger. If Jesus, if Mary and Joseph had have found room in the house of a family member or a friend, right? If it had gone as planned, if it had gone as I'm sure Joseph was guaranteeing the, the nine-month pregnant woman Mary on the donkey, and he was, he was listing names of people he knew he could get a room with, right? Because that's what we do as guys. We make promises we can't keep, right? So, so as, as, he's, as he's doing this, sorry, fellas, I don't mean to say you out, but I'm in there with you. So, um, all right, so of all the things I preach on, that's what we get amens for. All right, so if, if it went, if it went as it should have, they would have found a room, it would have been more comfortable, it would have been drier, it would have been warm, it would have been with family. But that family would have never let shepherds in the house. Whoa, hang on a second. It's so beautiful, right? That Jesus would be in a stable and a manger so that the shepherds could see him. That Jesus had to live on this earth that he created and, and, and give his life on the cross so I could know him. That's designed. That's designed because there's not a plan. There's not a plan by any of us when we travel the journey of pride that, that lets us arrive at a place where we're not preferred and number one. But for Jesus who deserved it, for Jesus who deserved it, because he's God in the flesh, chose, not, it wasn't accident, chose the stable and the manger to be able to welcome the shepherds in. That's an incredible, incredible detail, incredible design. So I want to ask you, I want to ask you, if, if this, we've said, we started this off with this, this, this design is a call for us to trust. What are the details, the circumstances of life that have come your way and come my way so that I would be drawn to Jesus and not choose just to live in my own design? Think about the details of the Christmas story that we're celebrating, we're hearing that the kids played out, but that are waking us up to just bringing ourselves humbly to Jesus. I don't know, I can't tell you as clearly as God can speak to you about all the details of your life. But this morning, I hope I did a good enough job in honoring him just to say by his own words and by his own actions, there's proof that he's calling you. Would you mind just bowing your heads just for a second? And the, the praise and the glory to Jesus, the, the attention that he deserves should never be lost in the details of the Christmas story. 
that the control, if, if your life has seemed out of control, if, if, you've, if, if you've thought that the people that have, that have, that have hurt you, that, that, have, that have done things to you, that have, that have made decisions that didn't go your way, if you thought that, that it, was, it, was, it was God versus them, no, God is still in reign and authority and sovereignty over even that. And, 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 the, and, and I know there's a gap between all that God knows and, and how he does things and what I can perceive and what maybe you can perceive too. And, and that gap can either frustrate us or it can allow us to just look to him and trust him more for explanation and not just signs like we talked about last week. But, but, but can we all at least open our hearts and our minds just to trust and say, all right, Lord, that that, that was not out of your knowledge. That wasn't by accident. So you were doing something. And, and consider this, the biggest obstacle of the last few years, no matter what it is, God still must be doing something bigger, overarching, farther reaching than even that in your soul and in the souls of others. Because even he chose a stable and a manger to achieve what he was wanting to do in those moments to allow some shepherds the grace without ridicule and judgment to witness that God was up to something in their lives too. I'd be willing to wager about everything on the fact that God is speaking to you. Maybe you don't sense it really loud this morning, but it's probably been pretty evident in the last few weeks and months, maybe years just for this next season coming up. If you would stand to your feet. During this time, as, as we have this song, I, I would love to pray with you over anything that you've got going on. We've got others here that would love to pray with you, but let's, let's just seek God through this prayer and open our hearts in song to this beautiful name that is Jesus that just shows us this morning the details of his love. Father God, thank you for your, your word of truth. Thank you, Lord, that it's so simple that it can be acted out and spoken out by children. And, and God, it's not beyond any of our understanding and our trust and our faith. Lord, sometimes it seems unbelievable, uh, but God, these are real events. This happened. There are historical people recorded in the Bible just to bring us to the place and, and the time frame that this happened in. Because God, you want us to know that this wasn't just a one-time thing, but it was just another point in history. God, that you're faithful and you are who you are, so you're, you're still working. You're still up to the same kind of things. So God, this morning, help us to find grace and, and, and peace and joy, Lord, in who you are, hope in who you are, that it's not just eternity, but it's now. And God, help us to open our minds and, and not, not hate and not victimize and not antagonize, but Lord, just first, before we, before we put any of those hard feelings towards someone else or something else, an event or whatever it is, God, Lord, let us to look to you and see, God, what bigger, what more could you be up to? And Lord, just be humbled by the fact that it's going to take our trust, humble trust, to seek you on these things, Lord. But thank you, God, that you have, you have made a way for all of us in millions of different circumstances to be able to see Jesus. You've moved mountains. You've done so many things, God. You've orchestrated so many events in life, even just today, to bring us here to just see Jesus. And that is, Lord, what we need most. So, God, help us just to flood our minds with this now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.